When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Geekscapists. Welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host. And if this is your first Geekscape, well, you've picked a really good one. We usually talk pop culture basically every week. I've been doing this show for 15 years, talking pop culture. That's what I love. It's the language that I speak. And we talk things like movies, video games, comic books, TV shows. This episode, though, we've got a fantastic one for you. We're talking music, and we've had tons of t- uh, music episodes before. Um, but I want to tell you that the band that I've got here, I've got Jamie and Rory from the Stereo joining me, and there would be no Geekscape without them. Back in the summer of 1999, I was just a college radio uh, DJ. I did a little show on WXPN Philadelphia, and Jamie and Rory had just put this uh, album out, their first album from the stereo and they played my college radio show. So this is a reunion of sorts you're going to experience here on Geekscape uh, because they're about to put out their fourth album, 13. And we'll talk all about how you can help uh, bring that to fruition. They got a Kickstarter going. We'll really get into it. Okay. There's tons of homework to do. Um, but again, if, if you're a regular Geekscapist, you know what to expect. We love talking to pop culture artists and creators. Uh, I got to tell you, there have been a lot of y'all recently. We've been doing great on the charts. The The podcast is healthier than it's ever been, which is crazy because I feel like we're the kind of one of the older podcasts, 15 years. Uh, but I looked at the numbers. We are currently in film interview podcasts, which is the majority of what we do here. Number 37 in India. That's right. If you're one of our Indian listeners, <laughs> thank you. Uh, number 10 in Albania. And yeah, we're number we're in the top 100 here in the U.S., but I got to look out for this global takeover we're planning. Um, and here's the one that I really enjoyed when I looked at it on the charts about an hour ago. Geekscape, this show you're listening to right now, currently number nine in Senegal. So, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and say, like, uh, is it Senegalese uh, listeners? We salute you. Uh, if this is your first Geekscape, uh, we got tons of stuff on the feed that you can enjoy. We just did a Book of Boba Fett wrap-up episode where Ian and I talked about all those seven episodes of that first season and what we thought. That's there uh, if you search the feed. And then before that, I sat down with my good buddy Jonah uh, Tullis. He did a, this movie on the GameStop stock uh crazy thing that happened remember last year when all those kids became millionaire off of buying a ton of gamestop stock uh well he had uh, my friend blake harris who did console wars the sega versus nintendo documentary and book uh they put this documentary together in like a year called gamestop rise of the players and that is out in theaters in the podcast is right there on the feed and we're going to be talking to the stereo today but if you like it go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on any podcatcher we're free Maybe you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, or on my 
Twitter, I think. Oh, no, maybe you're on my LinkedIn and you're like, I was submitting resumes. And then I was like, maybe I'll watch this show. Who knows? I'm just glad you're here. Uh, But the episode after this, we're going to be talking all about that Peacemaker finale that happened this week. Uh, I love that Peacemaker show. Um, Don't let the Internet ruin it for you. There's some really cool things that happen in that uh, final episode. It's a ton of fun. And previous Geekscape guest, James Gunn, we're super proud of him. Because, uh, damn, he's just skyrocketed since we had him on the show way back when I think we had him on for Slither or the one where Dwight from The Office is a superhero. I think it's just called Super. Uh, And he's like beating people up. So um, uh, we love James and Peacemaker is fantastic. So subscribe and you'll hear what Ian and I have to say about that. All right. um, There's just a ton of pop culture stuff to talk about. And we'll be back to talk about it uh, in future episodes. I got Rory and Jamie uh, waiting for me. So let's go ahead and play the theme song and get to it. This is Geekscape. We love you. Let's go. Awesome. That was our Geekscape theme song done for us by the folks in Punchline. Uh, There is a connection to the episode we're doing right now, because if you're a stereo fan, you know that Jamie of the stereo is also a producer and he produced the Punchline album. I think he did Just Say Yes, which that's the album they were recording right around the time they made us this theme song. Um, In the comment section, we got a a little bit of a praise here from one of our Facebook viewers. And then my regular co-host, Katie, who's not on this episode, but she'll be back because I love Katie uh, and I love she's just funny and i like having her on the show because it gives me an uh, like a hostage audience to tell stupid jokes to uh katie says rock rick and roll rick and roll okay katie let's we'll explain that one on a future episode but let's not delay we got um rory and jamie here from the stereo let's bring them on in and there they are i haven't seen you boys in a long time hyped by that theme song man real hyped (laughs) (laughs) loving it Yeah, they, they did a pretty, I mean, Steve was just kind of like, so what's the show about? I said, well, it's like pop culture. What do you got? And I gave him like a few words and that's what they came back with. John Bellin was in the, I think that's actually John Bellin like doing that singing. It absolutely, I don't, I've actually not heard that, but I was, as it was playing, <laughs> I was like, that's gotta be Bellin. Because yeah. I've recorded, I've recorded a, a couple of Punchline records. The first one had Bellin in the band, and then I did a couple of records for his other band, Gene the Werewolf. So I'm quite familiar with his crazy voice. You know, Gene the Werewolf is awesome. And Geekscape is, if uh, you're not familiar, like he, it's the kind of band where you're like, okay, I, th- I would hear this in like a trucker bar. This kind of music, like it's really like. <laughs> yeah guitar crunch stuff and i think he played with like ted nugent or something like that like that's the kind of audience that's gene the werewolf which is kind of awesome wow yeah but uh (laughs) let's talk about you guys uh the stereo so jamie you and i haven't seen each other in a while um rory and i have a a longer history because we both grew up in austin when rory and i were both in high school he had this band the impossibles and i I gotta tell you we'd we'd see this band in rec centers every weekend and (laughs) 
They, they, I didn't they know really... that about you guys. Did yeah. you, guys go, you guys went to high school together? No, you went to what high school? I wasn't. No, I just I just hung out in the parking lot of the high school. Don't you lie? Yeah, he was he was the guy that was leaning up the leaning against his Camaro. (laughs) There were not Westlake was like a good neighborhood, and there were a lot. There were a lot of punk kids. Did not go to Westlake. And I just remember I would always hang out at like Sound Exchange. Here's the thing, Geekscapers. If you're a longtime Geekscapers, you know a lot of Jonathan's history. But when my dad divorced, he moved back to the Barton Hills house. Which, which was like where I was born. And I would always hang out at the place, this place called The Drag by University of Texas. And they had a record shop. And that's where I discovered uh, my first Green Day album, Kerplunk, because it looked like a comic book cover with a girl on it. And that, of course, leads you to like Maximum Rock and Roll and the different lookout bands and stuff like that. And I was like, maybe there are local bands like that here. And yeah. Rory was in a few. He was in The Impossibles. And they were the band I think for that scene, wouldn't you say Rory at that at the time that you're characterizing, I think more gals panic was like the, the like foot touch point and the thing that was like blowing up, but the impossible were definitely born out of the wake of gals panic. And like that, I just sent the gals panic stuff and the missile command stuff that germ Pollitt did. I play bass on it. Kelly. Yeah. Matt Kelly runs the geekscape network. If you know, we've got 20 shows on this damn thing now. And Matt is the one who's in charge of them. And I just sent him a bunch of germs music. It was like, hey, I just found, I just remembered this stuff. You got to listen to this. It's totally up your alley. Um, but yeah, like that was like when the ska stuff was picking up and the bands like Less Than Jake, who've been on the show before, and the Real Big Fish guys, who I have a history with, like um, that stuff was big in the 90s and the Impossibles kind of came out of that. Meanwhile, up the I 35 in Minneapolis, I think, Jamie, you were doing Animal Chin. Yeah, and impressive uh, with your uh, US interstate knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> I get it from the uh, from the Kepi Gooley song about the interstates. No, I, I you know, know it's funny. We talk. All, my wife and I talk all the time about how I could probably drive the U.S. like you know for weeks at a time and not need a map at least just to get to major cities. You know, because after the amount of we, we Rory and I come from an era of touring where it was the Atlas. There were no iPhones. There were no GPS or anything like that. So um, anytime somebody just like drops like an interstate in a conversation, you're like, I, I kind of have like an eyebrow raising, like, all right, all right. This, this is real people. That's real America right there. Our people used to navigate by the stars. Yeah. Why do we need right. these devices? <laughs> Set your sails by the moon. Right. Like, I don't fucking know what I'm saying anymore. Um, but the animal chin was a band that I didn't get into until Rory was already on fuel by ramen. We've had the guy who started fuel by ramen Vinny on this podcast before. Mm-hmm. Um, then they start putting in the, out these comps and I really miss compilation albums because that's how I discovered the other bands like punchline that were on the label with you animal chin, which you were a member of. Um, what was it? I mean, in that, at that point, like the impossibles are kind of winding down Rory, right? Like things. Oh, yeah, I, was, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what was going on, yeah. but y'all were one of the biggest ba- like indie bands in Austin. Y'all. Yeah. I just remember like seeing y'all at Liberty lunch and being like, whoa they sell this place out now and they used to be in a rec center down the street like these guys are going to be huge but sometimes that hurts the band uh i don't know if it hurt us to be that popular in austin but it was just like to your point it got wild like we were you know a a really big local band and just we all simultaneously hit that point of like adulthood is set again and you got to figure out what's next and what's the next step and so 
you know, college becomes important for, for some people. And, and you've got this kind of sense of like, well, this, this is great for now, but, but we got to grow up. I didn't want to grow up. I just wanted to keep making music and keep being in bands and, and doing stuff like that. And so after a few false starts, me and Jamie were brought together by John Janik. You mentioned uh, mm-hmm. uh, Vidya Fiorello, uh, starting Field Brahmin. He co-founded it with John Janik. Um, and John at the label had both of our kind of demos that we were putting together. And, and you know, Jamie was pretty far along and, and starting to almost uh, get to the point of putting out a solo record. But John saw that it could all come together. And so that idea you know, planted to see with us, it, it grew. And then the next thing you know, Jamie's, you know, driving 12 hours down I-35 from yeah. uh, uh, Minneapolis to Second Austin. Second mention of uh, Interstate 35 <laughs> on this. It's only been like 10 minutes. You know what? We need to educate the viewers, right? Like yeah. the listeners need to be like, oh, that is the geography. This is a geography lesson. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is valuable. And the next thing you know, we were putting together a record and looking, looking back at it now, I mean, so, so obviously we're, we're here uh, talking about a new album that the stereo is doing and a podcast and stuff. We've been working on that stuff for years, literally like exchanging demos and working on music and stuff. We put out that first record from the time that Jamie drove to Austin until the record was out and we were touring. It was like six months, like maybe. Wow. I don't even think it was that long. I, yeah. I honestly think it was like three. You <laughs> didn't have two other members. I wasn't in, the in band. Austin. Like, yeah. How yeah. we started. No, like you guys are doing all the instruments, like yeah. Well, so when like the one, you know, it's hard to remember that uh, every detail of what was going on back then, but I remember we were talking, we had a phone call, and then there was like some sort of like Rory's gonna, uh, I'm gonna send you this cassette that I have that you know, and at that point that was kind of Dropbox. Yeah, there was no Dropbox going on. I remember waiting for some cassette, and I and I and to be honest, I don't know if it ever (laughs) arrived. I don't know if you sent it or not, or what (laughs) what the deal was. But then we had a phone, we had a a second phone call, and it was sort of like, okay, well, I'm sure it's gonna be great. You're Rory. I love Rory songs. I love you, Rory. Like, this is going to be great. I'll just tell you what, I'll just like pack my bag and I'll be over there in a, like about 18 hours. Okay. Sound good. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> see you in about 18 hours. And like, I woke up the next morning and I just drove to Austin with all my stuff that I needed. And we, I was there probably something about 10 days, uh, 14 days. I, I can't remember. I just slept on your couch, Rory. And every day we would just write a little bit and, Right, so we would eat a lot of Kim Fung. Uh, yep. we, yeah, I mean, and probably an unhealthy amount, you know. Um, <laughs> God, that number was it number fifty three? Man, I don't know. That's it. Yeah, it's so good. Anyway, <laughs> but we just we just every day we'd get sort of get up and just sort of okay, what's the idea to work on today? And we put together the whole everything right there in like ten days, and then went back to Minneapolis, recorded it up in Minneapolis. And then it wasn't more than maybe a couple of weeks after Rory went back to Austin that we and the new guys went back down to Austin and days later started playing shows, started a tour. I mean, we were, I'm not sure what the reason was to try to be so quick about it. Maybe it was just, we had nothing else to do. So obviously let's just get this rolling, you know? Uh, So, but no, we were, it was like light speed, you know, that we, 
we from the moment of like okay let's do this to okay we're we're on a month long tour now you know yeah, it's a lot it, of pressure, it would though. never happen but like that it's nowadays. So fast, you didn't even realize. Yeah, you don't even realize how the pressure that you're putting on yourselves as musicians or as human beings in that truncated a window for yeah. putting that kind of thing together. And there's got to be pressure from the label too. I, I remember around that era, we had the drive-through bands, and they all had an upstream deal with MCA. So there was that pressure to be like, "Oh, Newfound Glory just got upstreamed. Midtown's next. They got just got upstreamed." And you started seeing a lot of money in the scene at that time, right? Yeah. Like, Less than Jake was on Capital. I'm sure Vinny was telling you what that experience was. They they had some of their videos getting on MTV too. Like, and we were a lot of we were not immune. Around. We were not immune to that um, probing. <laughs> Uh, you know, like when we were cutting the record in that basement in Minneapolis, you know, we were sending, we had like two different, we had like Interscope and Capitals, like FedEx numbers. They gave them to us and they're like, send us like your dailies, you know? So we'd like make Mm -hmm. rough mixes and we'd, we'd send them over and stuff like that. And they're just, we just try, they're, you know, wanting to have a, uh, labels like that were trying to have relationships with weird young bands like us that had the potential to do something and, and, and well, not, not, you know, if you, once you listen to the podcast, you see how it all unfolds or whatever, but um, it, it was just wild. Like we would be, if, if you could see what it is that we were doing at that moment and then, you know, have these conversations with our, with our label guy, John Janik about like, okay, let's send what we're doing in this dingy ass basement on a CD to these, you know, fat cats in, uh, in Hollywood like it just blew our minds. We're like, cause I mean, it was terrible. It was, it was winter in Minneapolis. <laughs> they were in this basement with this guy who was a recording engineer lived. He had a cat box, a cat litter box down there. It was like, there was like, like maybe a, la- a lamp and, un- and like one sort of sealy mounted light bulb. And it was pretty, <laughs> it was, and it was cold. It was very it dismal. Grim. Yeah. And we're down there with our, you know, our, uh, you know, our emo haircuts, just like, you know, inventing emo. So. <laughs> but if when you listen to that record 300, yeah. you know, I, I just, I don't think you get any of the vibes of, of not our at surroundings all. in it. Like it, it has not this at all. very like poppy, uh, polished kind of feel to it. A lot of, and a lot of energy where we're just kind of sitting in the dark, you know, trying, <laughs> trying, trying to see the fretboard of the, of the bass. As right. There was, there were, there wasn't any, and, and as we sort of talked about earlier, there's no time to do anything else, but then get it down and move along. Yeah. You know, we were, we must have obviously been booking the tour that we were about to go on in a few weeks while we were making the record. So like we had to go, you, you know, you didn't even have time to think about this. There's stuff. no time. You were just like decision, 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 decision. Yeah. And, I do love that album. Uh, I I love the work that y'all have each done since, but that album feels like there's a polarity to it. There's the Jamie songs and there's Rory songs. There's there's the songs that it feels like Jamie was writing for the post Animal Chin solo album, and there's the songs that Rory was writing for a post Impossibles project. And he was writing, and y'all are both writing about those experiences. This is a marriage kind of album, and it just does it does feel like a ping pong match between your your sounds um it's funny there's a song there's a song called um and i can't remember what the order is but the there's at the time i remember and we called it like the impossible song and the animal chin song (laughs) and the the impossible song was uh you can't go home again right which is about the impossible it was about like the breakup of the impossibles sort of uh, 
correct me if I'm wrong, Rory. No, it's right. been a while. And then Count Me Out, which is also about the breakup of Animal Chin a little bit. So, and we put them side by side on the record and uh, probably, probably laziness. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, uh, but there was that, there was a little bit of that, you know, these are, these are the Rory jams. These are the Jamie jams and we're going to just slap them together. But there was also a lot of co-writing too. Um, you know, there were songs where I sang that I didn't write the song. Uh, and then there were th- things like parts of other songs that maybe I wrote. Like I, 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 I I can't remember precisely, but I feel like the chorus to "You Got Some Nerve" probably came from Rory, or something like wow, that. Do you I remember? Hope so. I love that. <laughs> well, I got yeah, half the rights so, yeah. of the one, You might as well, you know, take it. Right. <laughs> the one credit that I that I remember being really proud of was uh, the baseline on "Please Try to Understand." Right? Is that the name okay. of the song? Yeah, yeah. Why not? Do, 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 right. Sure. Is that, is that you playing? Maybe. That's me. That's me playing, and I wrote and I wrote that. Either him or you. There was nobody else there. Well, Jonathan, there was no lights in the studio. I don't know, right. like what was what was Stephen plugged in. Yeah. What, what's amazing about this Geekscape is, that, and you're listening. Maybe you're not familiar with the band, uh, and you're a longtime Geekscapist. And uh, what's crazy about this is they do throw this album out there. They do tour that summer. They did play my radio show, and they did a whole East Coast tour. Uh, I remember going to the Long Beach show. Y'all with with Slow Gherkin, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that was a band on Asian Man Records. Uh, Mike Park's been on the show, Geekscapist. So you have to go back a few years to hear that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, while y'all are putting this this music out, you're, people are it's on a vacuum. Like this, it's an influential indie la- label, and people like Chris Caraba of Dashboard Confessional are hearing it. Patrick Stump, who is a, becomes a label mate with uh, Fallout Boy, is listening to it. Jack Antonoff, who we've interviewed on the show, uh, is is listening, and he's now like the Bleachers thing is huge, and he goes on to write for Taylor Swift and this. They're like BFFs. The people <laughs> who are being influenced by that first album and the continued music that both of you put out like it's just incredible and i didn't really think that there were too many people that were huge like i was like you knew that when i this is what i knew that people people were like that had gone outside i was shooting a bayside video in 2003 using film equipment from my film school in new york and anthony i think i was wearing a, an impossible shirt and anthony goes the impossible is the best band on fuel by rama i love that band <laughs> and i was like you heard of them <laughs> and and he just professes his love for the impossibles we profess our love for the stereo i wish i had this known that very... i would have interviewed uh i would have interviewed him for Anthony? the podcast yeah we'll, we'll connect <laughs> you uh but i i just i just you start to get the feeling that in the years that p- followed that album 300 and then the subsequent stereo albums i mean I remember rumblings from other bands that Patrick Stump owed a lot of his vocal stylings when Fall Out Boy went big to this Mr. Jamie Wolford we got right here well, on Geekscape. Were you all cognizant of that influence when you were doing this? And I just want to say really quick, Patrick uh, uh, says that too. It's not just something that people yes. say about about him. Patrick is super gracious and and by the way, like a ultra talent uh just a, an amazing artist and so oh i saw them on that green day tour that, like a few months ago on that mega hella whatever that yeah. thing their live show is psychotic they, it's like pete comes out with the, with one of the kiss flamethrower bases and some of that. like it was incredible they're amazing so so to have any sort of 
tangential connection to any of that stuff is is amazing. But I, I do think that that's part of the band's legacy is that the stereo was always a band's band. It was it was a band that other bands would cite and were into. But you know, as far as connecting with like a fan base and actually being able to uh, you know find better find that sort of connection outside of other artists. Uh, you know, it, it never really happened. It's, it's really like a big part of of the story for me, and, and a big part of what you know. We we did this five part podcast uh, called Kings of No Hope. Um, what? <laughs> thank you. Uh, it, what it, what it's about is is a lot of that sense of this band did sort of change things. You know, maybe in a small way, but because it was a small way for people that would influence the next sort of generation of rock music. It it echoed larger than than the actual like impact it made at the time, um, which is wow. That's very poetic. You should do this. <laughs> you should like do this for a living. You ever written songs? Yeah, you should. <laughs> have you thought about Have you thought about songwriting? <laughs> uh, and Geekscape is what uh, those of you who are listening. What Rory's talking about is they they put they have this new five six part doc, uh, kind of like documentary podcast series that launches this week called Kings of No Hope. And it's kind of like a facetious reference to the band's history. And they, they stayed hopeful. They're the kings of it. But, you know, like we said, that the band ran its course. was in, that, in those iterations, the band is back. But go to kingsofnohope.com. And there's this uh, – Rory and Jamie have been working on this podcast series where they have people like Patrick Stump and Chris Caraba and these, you know, big uh, musicians talking about how influential the stereo was on them. And <laughs> – how was that putting together kind of a uh, autobiographical magazine style podcast talking about your history of the band and how big the influence has been? Well, I think that, I mean, the best part about it is that it, it didn't have to be autobiographical in whole because we haven't gotten to it yet, but Jamie kicked me out of the stereo. We talked about the, <laughs> Jonathan was talking about the intense pressure and, you know, how we were driving yeah, and I was getting to that. Yeah. You know. And what that eventually uh, uh, resulted in was was my ouster from the band. So there is that period where I'm right there with Jamie and we're, you know, we're basically telling the story together. But then there's a point where it hands off. And where that was so fascinating for me is that I knew a lot of the drama and the stories and the things that were going on around the band and like, oh, they're just about to make it. You know, you were talking about upstreaming bands into major labels and it just seemed like after me getting kicked out, that was the next logical step. It was, it was almost like a foregone conclusion. And it's why they kicked you out. It's what the it, labels yeah. demanded. The rock <laughs> gods demanded a sacrifice. And yeah. it was you. <laughs> I, understandable, but it didn't, no, it didn't no, ever no. get there. And so that it was so fascinating to me because I, I knew that the band was influential. I knew that they were a band's band. Uh, and I knew that they had these like opportunities and they were going to Europe and they were going to Japan and it just seemed like it was about to go and it never did. So, so in the podcast, I get to find out from Jamie and from all the other members of the band, you know, what, what that whole experience was like and what going through, going through it and living through it. Uh, looked like it, it, it was fascinating for me and I, and hopefully will be fascinating for anybody who listens to it, whether you know the band or not, because it's really more about just the the story and, and the drama uh, that surrounded the band. I can't wait to listen to this podcast. I, it, I, I have it. And, yeah, I got to say, that, that like, it really starts to take off like episode two. Episode one is sort of just like the, yeah. the groundwork. 
you know, okay. like who is this band, right? Why would you care to listen to this, right? And so that that's why you have like all the, you know, yeah. Patrick our, Stump our is vouching for us. Patrick Stump says that we're <laughs> yeah, important. Right. Please listen to the rest of the story. Hang tight to the first right. episode. <laughs> we're getting there, and then the second then it, episode's the one. Yeah. So, like, uh, one thing I want to say is, you know, like when when Rory uh, came up with this idea about doing, you know, the podcast, and I, and it's funny. My memory of this is even probably less intact than anything. But um, I remember we talked about, you know, how these types of things are often a, a sort of like a congratulatory pat on the back, you know, aren't we awesome? Check out how, you know, enough about me. What do you guys think about me? You know, whole approach to like, you know, a band documentary, right? Sure. Sure. And our band, while we weren't like, you know, we're not Motley Crue or no effects and those stories, you know, like, uh, you know, Keith Richards shooting yes, your, you have an OD, I think. Is what yeah. Nobody's, nobody's, <laughs> as far as I know, no one in the band ever like, you know, injected heroin into their eyes or something like that. You know what I mean? Like not, nothing like that happened. Right. We're, we're sort of just normal guys, you know, young guys trying to get our way into the music business somehow and just make a living at doing something that we all loved. But through that and, and through, you know, as it's almost like sort of like uh, uh, fated to happen, you know, things are going to go wrong, right? Being in a band is actually kind of hard work. You know, it's definitely not like what you see on TV, you know, and, and you talk to anybody in the world and, and, and ask them like, Oh, what, what do you think it would be like to be in a band? And unless you're in a band, you, your answer is probably, uh, tons of money and partying and whatever. Right. Like, and, and it's not that at all. It's actually like a tremendous amount of waiting. It's a tremendous amount of driving. It's a tremendous amount of, you know, Okay, Three well, yeah. The, the, how much money? Or, or people just there's ghosting more, you. Yeah, there's more ho- money. I'm comparing it to Hollywood. In my experience is I'm comparing it to Hollywood. That's my comparable is yeah, the Hollywood thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But there's it, some ghost stories. Yeah. I, I had a producer <laughs> this week who said, hey, we love the package. We lo- we were really impressed by you. We're really impressed by your attachments because we have a few actors attached. They're like, they're like, this all looks great. Why don't you just go make it? <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that's what we ended up doing with yeah. our new record. Right. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Right. But, uh, but just to kind of finish my thought, like Rory would ha- had the sort of the the uh, the foresight to like not make the the pat on the back version of this, right? Where we're the heroes. I even said, like, you know, look, there's a lot about this story. Like, if you take my whole personality and my sentiment out of it. Like there's a lot of stuff about this that I'm not proud of, you know, that happened in our band. And if we want to tell a compelling story about what happened with our band, we actually kind of have to tell the truth. And the truth mm-hmm. isn't not, uh, you know, not every single day in the band of the stereo that was the truth, a pretty thing to hear, you know? And, but people like a, uh, people like a story that has heroes and villains. And this has a lot of that. You know, I've said on different podcasts that everyone in this band goes under the bus, at least for a little bit <laughs> in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a good listen. Everything it really is, you know, especially the the conversations that Rory and I have. We, you know, we've obviously since, you know, buried the hatchet a long time ago. But part of that burying the hatchet actually happens during the podcast interviews. Yeah. You know, we actually on purpose saved talking about some of the really tender stuff between each other 
we waited until it was like, okay, mics are rolling. Let's, let's have this conversation, even though we know people are going to hear it, you know? So I, it makes for sort of like a, you know, a lean forward. Listen, you're like, oh my God, they're really like, they're having this moment right now. You know, episode two, it really starts to go, you know, but documenting it almost feels like this. There's no turning back now. And I think <laughs> it's done. Uh, now. Ge- Geeks gave us, we, we want you to, I really want y'all to subscribe to this. Oh, there's the siren. That means Matt Kelly just added the 83rd show to the podcast network. <laughs> Fantastic, Matt. Way to go. Way to go. We're not crumbling under our own weight at all. So just keep adding those podcasts. We have tons of podcasts here on the network. If you're new, we got music, we got pro wrestling, we got video games, whatever you got search for Geekscape. Um, but this whole thing, like, you know, I've known Rory for a while. Uh, we weren't necessarily close or anything, but we, you know, you go to the same scene. You kind of know what the person's about. You listen to their songs and their words in your head for years of your life. You kind of know what they're about. And then I saw y'all in the summer of 99 play my radio show. And then it's not shortly thereafter that Rory's not the band. And um, and I don't think it, we've, I villainized you, Jamie. I saw you the following summer when you were out with Midtown uh, on that tour. And as a fan, I just kind of try and like, hey, I'm trying to keep neutral man uh and by that time i think not everybody did Roy, and yeah and, 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 I, and, and that's the thing is like it's like i think that you had been villainized right and i think me that or rory well I, I think i think jamie if you're very if you're you're the, you're the music you're i think you're you're particular about what you want and you continued on with the band so when somebody sees somebody ousted i think the i think the the general view of it is well if the guy stayed with the band he's like Rory was the one that was the victim as he's out in the street. Right. Right. And you, you, st- you know what I mean? Like he has to go put the impossibles back together. I do like that. You put the impossibles back together. I love that, that album, <laughs> but, but because you stayed with the band and continued on for two more albums, I think naturally people were like, Oh, he dicked them over. And yeah. Rory, did you, did you feel that, that you were like, Hey, I invested all this stuff in an acute amount of time. I put my heart and soul into this thing. It looked like we were going in promising places. Now I have to watch for the bleachers as other people get to eat my lunch. Like how long, how, but I mean, how hey, long did you hey, care, thanks, care, carry that? <laughs> thanks. <Yeah. laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Go ahead. I love you, it. Go ahead. Listen, Get it all. Kicking up the Geekscapist. dust again. Thanks, Jonathan. Geekscapist, you can hear the whole thing <laughs> on the, the Kings of No Hope podcast. Makes well, sense. all I want to say is, is that was 20 plus years ago. Yeah. Y'all were kids. Yeah, I've been in those experiences. Yeah. When I was in my early 20s, I don't, unlike you guys, I don't talk to those people again. <laughs> I have not repaired those friendships. Yeah. I have been like, F it. There's a bunch of people in this world. I'll carry on with people who actually want to be a part of it. Um, how did y'all start to repair it? Not to put spoilers on the podcast, because I want people oh, to sure. go and download the, the podcast. But yeah. but Rory, how did you have to come about? Like, Jamie, what did you? What truths did you have to face where y'all could put space together, uh, put, give each other space to, to be back in each other's lives? Because I remember seeing you on stage, Rory, and being like, Whoa! How did they get back together? That felt like, yeah, it was burnt to the ground. I, you know, I, I think there was always respect, even even. So you know, like you mentioned, <laughs> I'm just gonna say that I never lost any respect for Rory as an artist, right. not once, never. Yeah. I may have been, I might have been pissed at him for X, Y, Z or whatever on tour, yelling at me, 
you know, no, you ate no my spoilers. Chips. Just kidding. Oh, oh it's not <laughs> chips. <laughs> you know what and I mean? We, it's it's who used my underwear. I know it gets nasty. Who wants to do? I'm kidding. So we had we had you mutual. Gotta, you got to subscribe. Yeah. For the truth. you have to subscribe for the truth, geeks keepers. We we had mutual respect still, and and we were still had like a working relationship too, because we were still both on Fuel by Ramen. So yeah. you know there were crossovers and. We ultimately ended up playing some shows in Florida together and I went on stage and, and played with the band. So I, I think even back then we, we made efforts to, to try and, you know, squash it as from any sort of like big beef that was going to keep us from being able to tour together. Coexist. Yeah. Coexist is a good, good way to put it. And, but, you know, because we did have that sort of mutual respect for music, I think that made it more intriguing as the years went on where like Jamie's putting out a solo record and I'm doing a record. Uh, uh, I had a band called the artificial heart. And so we're, we're like hearing each other's stuff and talking about it. I've and and by the way, Jamie is a, a fantastic songwriter, a fantastic artist, but also an amazing producer who uh, I have always been envious of. And so I, and who I wanted to work with. And so um, you know, over the years, there would be opportunities to, to be able to, <laughs> to be able to do that as well. And so, so that connection, there was always still some connective tissue there. Maybe we weren't, you know, uh, on the, the precipice of, of making more music together, uh, uh, songwriting together, but we were still, you know, pretty consistently in contact. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I actually designed the impossibles record after the yeah. stereo. Um, a, a couple and an EP, maybe two, right? Yeah, I can't. I don't know. The it's, it's in the EP. it's in the hard hard, hard no, drives up there. Yeah. No, the uh uh the the last one that we did with the stencil cover, uh Jamie. But didn't Jamie I do it? Didn't it? I do yeah. return? Didn't I design you that? Did, yeah, yeah, yeah. return, okay. not, not comeback, return. Yeah, yeah. Jamie did return as well, and but I think we were still probably. I mean, you know, on return, there's a song. Uh, uh, called Hey You Kids, where one of the lines is turn off the stereo. And that wasn't on accident. That was that was like a little, it was sort of like a, a, a fun little jab. And I think that that sort of was thing. Was it fun for you, Jamie, when you heard that? <laughs> was, it, was, it, was it fun for you? Uh, I mean, I don't think I... I don't, have we talked about probably, that? No, no. Um, <laughs> I would have been fucking pissed, like straight up. Like I'm, I'm like what got, a 22, 23, 24 year old kid. Oh, Everything's pretty, still That's pretty it. fresh. That's Cancel it, the I'm Kickstarter. Cancel it. I would have been pissed. Uh, well, no. I mean, I, I want to continue to acknowledge this shit was 20 years ago, and y'all were kids. But like, like the mud is slinging. <laughs> I mean, come on, whatever. You know, look, I, I, I probably had a view even back then that. And, and maybe I didn't publicly uh, uh, demonstrate this, but I probably in my head and in my heart thought to myself, I I, I should have handled that a lot better than I did, mm-hmm. even back then. Um, I don't think we and, have tools as at that age. Is what no, I we, don't. Is we I, don't. I don't think we have the tools I mean, until we're our age, and then we don't have the hair. Have you? But anybody has yeah. has anyone here been on a road trip, right, <laughs> with your? Fr- friends right and by the end of together with in six months yeah but being in a date even just even just like hey man let's drive to the coast or whatever right wherever you live and like after like 10 hours with anyone right there's you know usually people that are sort of like you know uh, mid-20s young 20s whatever there are things that get on your nerve real fast you know somebody sets like a cup down and then like of soda half 
you know, half empty and then they take the lid off and then they don't throw it away or something. You're like, what, what's going on? Can you just want to get you? That, that's you not even a road trip. You just described like a marriage. Right. Right. But I mean, <laughs> now, now imagine like four guys or more, right. Sometimes in this like big box on wheels going around like this every day for like essentially years. And mm-hmm. the, you're not, like you're saying, you're not equipped to, to uh, uh, manage and process things that go on between people like that. And then there are various degrees of maturity. Uh, there are various degrees of accountability and various degrees of hygiene. Um, you know, there's a lot. <laughs> that, that felt that, pointed. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but hygiene, you, you know what I'm saying? Uh, no, I'm, hi, have, hygiene. How are you? I, Try I mean, I see, I see. I see you the next year, two thousand in two thousand. You had the new Tokyo EP out, and then you go on to put two more albums. Those lineups didn't stay totally consistent either. No, At it's like point, it, it, it is spinal tap. It's spinal tap. And I, yeah. but it's but it, but you are the stereo is you. And was it my way or the highway? Like what were the, what was it like in those next three releases? And you know, you can go as far as you want with this. Uh, I I love you, and again, like y'all were kids when you were making the decisions. Yeah what lessons were you learning about yourself, about your ability to create, about your ability to collaborate with other people? What were you learning in those places where, you know, there's a revolving door lineup, et cetera, et cetera. You're learning what not to do. I mean, as simple of an answer as that may be, and maybe that sounds silly, but it is true. I mean, anything that you do in life uh, at a professional level, if you do it more than once, any 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 artistry, right? You, you do a thing, you release it publicly, you learn from that, and then the next time you go, and you're like, I'm not going to do how I did it that time because that 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 aspect of it there irked me and whatever. Um, but but people can't really be treated l- like that in, in in some ways. But also, when you're working with um, when you're working with people in a creative way, and there are. Th- and there's an intention to share it with the public or just even just to have it at the end of the day. I think that it's important that you bring an A game, right? If you, if you're, and when I talk about accountability, right? Like we go to our, you know, like you go to your job. If you're just sort of showing up and collecting the paycheck and you give off that that sort of that, that attitude, you're not going to last very long at that job. Right. And as much as being in a band is more poetic and romantic and whatever, and supposed to be fun and this, that, and the other, there's work to be done. Right. Albums don't just get like downloaded and then like handed to the band then to send off to the label. Right. They're, no, it takes six months. Yeah. yeah somebody has to pick up a guitar and right. start and write down some words and start figuring these things out and make a record out of it. Right. Somebody's got to do that. And if you come into that situation with sort of like, um, this is a ride that I've paid it, that I've, I've, I'm, my presence is my ticket and I want to just ride through it and have fun and have a good time. I don't think that's a, a good way to do anything, right? And 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 I'm not saying everybody that walked you kind sure. of went through the stereo system uh, was like that, but but that at times there was a lot of sort of just reliance on the powers that be to do it for me, and because I was so relentlessly ambitious, I think I just chose to accept that 
and go, well, if you're, if I'm going to be the Svengali of the band, well, then I'm not going to apologize for it because there, you know, shit needs to get done and I'm just going to get it done. And then we can just go do this thing. Object, yeah. yeah. And, and so it, it's a, it's unfortunately, it's sort of like a, uh, a self, um, propagating system, right? Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Self-fulfilling prophecy. And where it, it implodes. You had two more albums. You had the EP, two mm-hmm. more albums. And then, and then you just you run out of road when you're a solo when you're when you're doing that because your support network had been stripped away. Am I being accurate here? I'm just assuming at I mean, this point. I'm just no, kind of following the thread. Yeah, no, like so the band had fine. The final lineup yeah. of the stereo, which was essentially m- myself, uh, Chris Serafini, uh, who's Chris, in the, yeah. yeah, who's in the band now, and uh, and our drummer BJ Willette, Um, We were sort of like crystallizes like a okay. This is the, the 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 lineup that you see on Rewind and Record, our, the last stereo record, was sort of like the crucified, not crucified, <laughs> in the crucible calcified. is what I would just say. Yeah, calcified. calcified. We'll go with that. <laughs> yes, sir. It's a little bit of crucification. Or crystallize? Crystallize. Any any mm. verb, adjective, right. whatever that it's you cal- prefer. It's all calcification, um, I think. Yeah. Right, right, right. It had that had solidified as like this is the band, the stereo. And we had sort of all the sort of the the growing pains that unfortunately had happened uh, in the public eye beforehand had been worked out for the most part. There's still you know, all the stuff that we're talking about earlier about how just difficult it is to be in a band that all that stuff was still going on or whatever. But, but these three guys were like, okay, this is the group that needs to continue, but that doesn't necessarily go hand in hand with beating the fatigue of getting to that third record, going through everything that we had gone through and then still running into the, the obstacles um, that, well, that every band sort of faces when they're trying to make it in the music business. Um, but our obstacles, even though we seem to have a leg up, like Rory would just kind of describe, you know, we're going to Japan, we're going to Europe, we're, you know, we're having meetings with this guy and that guy and whatever. For some reason, it always seemed like there was this universal karma a thing against it, like where crazy stuff would happen that would... It, it almost seemed pointed at our band, like like the East Coast blackout. Do you remember that when the the like yes. the entire yes. uh, Northeast <laughs> like shut down? Yeah. I swear to God, that was to try to ruin the stereo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> had nothing to do with some power plant in Canada that blew up or whatever. It was all about BMA like trying to ruin the stereo right show. Yeah, yeah, right. Of course. <laughs> so and there's just these funny moments like this where just like God, really, like that had to happen, and like now we're like a set off the course now this way and. And after enough of that stuff, you finally just go, God, I don't know if I can just get in another van with these guys and, you know, smell what I'm smelling and read, (laughs) read what they're spelling. You know what I mean? So. (laughs) And had the music industry shifted, I mean, should you all have started adding a dance band feature to your band? Does that make sense? Uh, Maybe. Why not? Did did, did music move away from where y'all were at that time? And because you still have your finger on the pulse, you're producing. Sure. And did you have to become a, I mean, and now look in Geekscape, so I want to talk about this brand new album 13, because I'm really excited about it. It comes out in uh, the, later this spring and y'all can go visit it. You just go to the stereorock.com, I believe is the, uh, yeah, the stereorock.com. You got to put the V in there. Go to the stereorock.com and you can order their fourth album 13. Rory's back on it. Um, and we'll take a look at the Kickstarter that you can do to add, some features to 
the the album things like uh, a live you know streaming concert etc you can get it in multiple vi- like vinyl editions i believe there's all sorts of cool downloadable stuff that you can get early access to more podcast episodes it's all there at the stereorock.com it'll lead you right to the kickstarter um did you have to become a producer to become a band member is one thing that i want to ask you did you have to work through the variety of artists hmm. to find out That's a good question how to how to communicate with artists that's an extremely good question. Well done. I've done this show before. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's impressive. Got lower thirds too. It's, it's just awesome. Welcome to Geekscape. Yep. Every now and then, I like to talk comics. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, I would say, yeah. You know, I've, I don't think I've ever thought of it so uh, uh, um, precisely in that fashion. But that's not a. Um, gosh, that's a, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of like the idea of like that I, by being a producer, cause I've always sort of thought of the producer role as being sort of a temporary band member that was maybe like the older brother, you know, or something like that, like leading, leading the charge, you know, like the guy that had been through the studio process before that can help the band go through a studio process and get a su- successful result. But like but, a film producer or film yeah, director, you have every to band is different. Yeah, every band yeah. is different. And I've noticed over the years that like what I might say to one person about how to arrive at a successful either performance or a song idea or whatever it is may not be the exact same thing I say to the next person that is in a similar situation where or a, they're facing a similar obstacle. There, there are a certain amount of like, sort of like truths up and down, you know, like where it's the same for everybody, but there's a lot of nuance most of the time uh, when you're producing artists, you know, people come in with um, material that is very close to their heart and imagination is both a an amazing, uh, amazingly powerful thing, but it's also a huge problem because you can imagine anything, right? In music, it doesn't necessarily mean that it will work when it goes under microphones and in it's combination with other instruments. Now. Yeah. So some of yeah. some of the times it's just conversation about how well, like I get what you're saying there, but the the practicality of the idea probably is not going to break. It'll probably break down once you you add in the other three people in the room with us, you know, like it doesn't, you know, whatever. And so, um, that having that conversation in different ways over many, many years has probably done a lot for my own personal growth. I would, I would, I would say that's fair, you know? Um, but also just growing up, getting a little older, getting wiser, you know, humbled. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can't, be right all the time about everything all the time, right? Period. So when you reflect back on things that you've done in your life or, or any, you just your life, you know, you, you, it's all learning. Every, everything's learning all the time. Everything is, like I said earlier, you know, you kind of go into the next record going, I don't want to do what we did on the first record because it went this way and I wanted to go that way. And, but life is the same thing. So we get to the point we're at now with the stereo and, Rory does this podcast and I'm, I chose to face it head on. Whereas in the early days, I, I, you know, we talk about this in the podcast, like there was always a sort of like a, um, um, a public facing persona that was always sort of a little bit curated just so that we could not talk about the, the, just the typical drama band stuff that happened. Um, but the, the podcast doesn't do that. The podcast is like, this is what happened. 
This is what I said. <laughs> and this is what I felt about it. And to hell with you. Back and, here's, then. <laughs> and here's what this person says about that thing. And here's what that person says about that thing. And they yeah. completely conflict, but we're just going to put both stories in. Yeah, it's actually of kind that. of fascinating. I mean, yeah. There's always a third element. And that element is the listener. That element's the, the audience. The, uh, that element's the fan. And it, in I think leaving space for them to interpret your art is what makes that art important is is if you over explain things you end up with a children's book or a children's album if you under explain things you end up very experimental but if you find that sweet spot between yourself as an artist and the Mm -hmm. audience they bring their life experiences and their relationships and we've all been where jamie was and where rory was we've been the person who like kicked them out we've been the person who got kicked out um and maybe that we've done that in romantic relationships maybe we've done that in professional relationships etc friendships um we have to bring as listeners as audience members we have to bring those to any art and engage in that way in order to inherit that art and make it ours and like y'all are the soundtrack to my my teen and post-teen years up until my current 43 years on this planet and Um, and I, and when I found out that y'all have this new album 13, when Rory was like, Hey, like we got, you know, do you have the old MP3s or files from being on the radio show in 1999? I turned to Rory and I said, I got all of them. I I I, actually hope I I have all of them. Is that a surprise for Jamie? No, it's not I a surprise, Jonathan, because I remember every time that you would play that damn warm-up thing, and I'd be just like, why does he keep playing that thing? God. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, so, yeah, when y- y'all recorded like eight tracks back in my, the old radio show, yeah. Kevin McCaffrey, who's been on the show, he, he, uh, he recorded them for y'all. And when, when Rory asked for them, I was like, oh, y'all are up to something again. I cannot wait to see what this is. And Geekscape is, if, the, if you're new to the stereo and you've made it this far into the conversation, I am so glad that you've invested in uh, learning about the band. And uh, I would love for you to go to kingsofnohope.com and subscribe to this podcast. You can learn a little bit more of the inner goings of what happened and what's what the future uh you know, holds because I think the, I think there will be an additional episode after the five that have been recorded and cut. Um, maybe, and I think the best way to find out that there will be, or the best way to ensure that there will be, is I want you to go to this URL, thestereorock.com, and what that'll do is it'll feed you right into the band's currently running Kickstarter campaign. And I've already done my part. I did some Kickstarter. Maybe I'll up my donation. Who knows? Let's see if I win the lotto this year. But I'm going to throw it up on the screen right here. But taking a look at this uh, Kickstarter, um, it's pretty great. It'll tell you everything you need to know about the ULP, the podcast. They had a goal of $5,000. They blew the doors off of that thing immediately. They're getting close to $30,000. But that doesn't mean they don't want your help, Geekscapist, because what that's going to do is that's going to open you up to all these crazy stretch goals like doing a studio performance concert for you, the for the backers, uh, upgraded versions of the LP, and who knows what the next one that can unlock is. Yeah, it's We're still, just grow it's this still thing lo- out. It's still loading. It looks like you know. It's like- <laughs> well, I don't think I don't think y'all have hit it yet. We have not. We have not. And, and and I'll just say, yeah, we had the I, what we considered a very reasonable goal, and people have just been too incredible, too amazing to the point where like we we don't even have the new stretch goal up because we're literally like putting it together and trying to figure out how we can give it back to the fans and be able to to do right. something for them so the fact that it's where it is now completely incredible i i'd love for more people to to get the record but 
yeah, it's like we're out of campaign mode and now in just like awe mode of like, wow, yeah. everyone is is incredible. Thank you so much. And we hope that you like the new single, which is coming out tomorrow. Uh, the song Kings of No Hope is going to be uh, out on uh, all, all your major platforms, along with the podcast uh, that, that's coming out as well. So so now we're finally getting to give some some stuff back to the world because in the one week uh, and, and a day that this has been running, it's just completely blown away all of our expectations. Yeah. And some of the incentives are pretty cool, Geekscape. It's like I, I ordered myself uh, an al- a copy of 13, the new album. I got myself a T-shirt because I haven't had a stereo T-shirt in 20 years. I remember my <laughs> old stereo T-shirt based on the 300 front. Uh, but there's all sorts of uh, additional stuff you can get. Uh, obviously, the vinyl pack. Um, there's a super fan pack that has all these additional tiers. Plus, you get um more stuff like a 13 cassette tape so you get a little retro action going on that uh maybe if uh jamie finds it he'll send you the tape that rory sent him way back when that he never played (laughs) um there's all sorts of stuff you can get a test pressing pack uh you can be an honorary producer on the album um there's all sorts of stuff that you can do so check it out it's the stereorock.com will feed you right into the kickstarter um, I would love to see a music video, but that's me as a filmmaker wanting to see that kind of stuff. But really, put the pressure on the band to make up new incentives <laughs> by continuing to donate. If they get this thing to a hundred thousand, I think uh, I, we're going to do it. If they get this thing to a hundred thousand, let's just put the pressure on it and be like, "What do you do now? Yeah, what do you do now, <laughs> tough guy? What do you do with your money now?" Sorry. So there's there's only one way to put the pressure on them: just keep donating to these guys. Yeah, and <laughs> and we're super really excited about the album like like having new music to put out after so long this album 13 i i you know the way that i kind of talk about it is it's almost the spiritual sequel to 300 300 was the the first album that me and jb worked together on for the stereo 300 is a perfect score in bowling it's a really uh uh nice number to to have it's it's uh, uh got this positive connotation to it 13 is is kind of uh, almost looking to celebrate what Jamie was talking about earlier about the way that the band just couldn't seem to catch a break. And it, it just felt like everything was stacked against them. It, it's now we've got this other number that we're associating ourselves with. It's the unlucky number. And then the Kings of no hope single, the, this idea of Kings of no hope, you know, Jonathan, you talked about being a little facetious, but I mean, I think it really is a good characterization of, in retrospect, like how the whole history of the band sort of like feels and, and, you know, being a part of it from the inside. So there is like a, a kind of a cohesive thread and like a story through all the, the things that we're doing now. Uh, it's not just, you know, just sort of thrown together or random. I love it. In Geek's Campus, if you're listening on the podcast, uh, you know, file, if you download it from whatever podcatcher you use, I'm going to throw a little bit of the single Kings of No Hope on the back end of this because I do want you to continue to visit the stereo. I want you to order this album. You know, for it's not easy being a kid who's into bands that uh, nobody had ever, you don't think anybody had ever heard of. And, in you know, in college radio, I think it, there's like something cool about college radio. It'd be like, oh, I knew about this band and I've known about them since blank, blank, blank. And that was the first one to hear about them. You know, that gets, you know, the second your ego wears off and you're taking some hits in life, I would say the age is maybe 24, 25. It starts being cool, not being the only person who's heard of a band. And so I want all of you listening to this to celebrate this band. That's why I bring people like Mike Park and Dr. Frank onto this show, you know, and the, the folks from Nerve Herder who also have a new single out this week. It's why we have musicians with their podcasts on this network, like Word Burglar, the, the hip hop 
you know, nerdcore rapper from Toronto. It's why we we made Geekscape to to so you know about these little weird fringe niche exciting things. This is this is our currency as geeks. This is who we are as pop culture fanatics. This is what we value. So I really appreciate you guys coming on the show and the Geekscape is listening and 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 kind of just sharing this with them because if you're not familiar with the stereo, I'd love for you to be because these two guys right here still are part of my, the soundtrack to my life. Um, that's heartfelt, folks. Like, for real. Back on the show after 23 years is very much the spiritual successor to my college radio show. You know? Yeah, and we've, now we've got a new album for the next several years of your life. And <laughs> to keep you alive, we'll continue to potentially make more music. <laughs> Please do. It got a little touch and go there in 2014. <laughs> Oh, little touch and go sure, so sure. please continue you know keep me yeah. alive in some way i you know oh also joining us is gabe haskell of the impossibles i'm kidding guys no <laughs> i gabe wish oh my gosh i love gabe and i like oh, his music too I, I love you know i love all of it um but yeah i love celebrating this stuff but geekscape is um keep listening um you have your mission you're going to go to the stereo you're going to throw some money on this incentives uh don't settle until they've agreed to cage fight each other <laughs> Well, Jonathan, you kind of just made it sound like unless we keep going, you might not live. So, I mean, I don't know. Incentivize them to stop donating. Don't. Yeah, right. Shut the band down. Shut the band down. Let's kill Jonathan. I don't know if there's much higher pressure that you could put on us besides, you know, my life depends on it. But, you know, no pressure. I think you just made your last dollar on that Kickstarter. People are going to try and murder me through your music. Uh Guys, any closing words? On season two of Kings of No Hope. (laughs) I think that's the incentive is like, we get, we hit a million dollars and they're going to cage fight Jonathan with cheese graters strapped to their hands. (laughs) Ow. Wow. Let's do it. Let's make it bloody. Why not? Take it to the mat. Uh, Any closing thoughts? Uh, They're going to subscribe to the podcast, Kings of No Hope, on whatever podcatchers are out there. They're going to go ahead and uh, donate money to, to put you in a cage fight. What else we got? I just say thank, thanks, Jonathan, for having us on. This has been this has been great to see you again after so long, and you know, really, really appreciate it. Likewise, I I, I I'm so tickled that we got to do this, and thank you. And you've obviously been extraordinarily kind about us and our band and our influence on you and others. And so I, it, it's it's humbling and a real treat for us to hear this stuff. So thank you, thank you very much. Well, no. Don't take my word for it, Geekscape, is you got people like Chris Carava, Patrick Stump, and Jack Antonoff saying the same. Um, go and check out that podcast. You got you won't be alone um, in your love for the band. Um, and my fiance Heidi Cox says, "Hey, well, hold up, there will be no killing Jonathan." Well, there you go. We're <laughs> we're good. Uh, we're Heidi, safe. Let, let, let the fans decide. Uh, all right, it's not up to us. We're not in control of our lives. Um, <laughs> All right, Geekscape, that's it for Geekscape. Find us on any podcast uh, app out there. And if you enjoyed this, go ahead and share it with your friends. They can maybe leave a review. Maybe you could leave a review. I've given up asking for reviews after 15 years. I just like doing the show. And if they have one listener or if I'm number nine in Senegal, it really doesn't make any difference to me. I'm going to keep talking to y'all. The next podcast up on the feed is going to be Ian and I talking all about uh, I loved it, but James Gunn's Peacemaker on HBO Max. We love that series. Uh, and now it's wrapped up, so we can talk about it. we got tons of cool stuff coming up uh, on Geekscape. So go ahead and subscribe, share with your friends and all that. But also listen to the stereo. Uh, from Jonathan, for Jamie and Rory, uh, don't hate create. Go out there and make some cool stuff, Geekscape. Bye. Time marches over, holy ghost.
Geekscape is underneath me. You can hear the song Kings of No Hope off the forthcoming stereo album 13. I told you these guys were awesome. Go check out thestereorock.com to find out more information on how you can get a copy of the album for yourself. And if you like what you heard here today, subscribe to Geekscape on your favorite podcatcher and leave us that five-star review. Tell your friends about us. There's tons of ways that you can support Geekscape. So go out there and do it. listening to the Geekscape Network.